Welcome everyone to another episode of Dardashe where we feature amazing and brilliant Palestinians and talk about their lives and the work that they do. Today I'm joined with uh, Dr. Adel Haniye, the director of the Palestinian Museum. Dr. Adela, it's lovely to have you. Thank you, likewise. I'm very happy to be here with you. We're, I, I can't wait to, to explore and get into all the amazing work you're doing, the museum is doing. I've been there many times and it's one of my favorite places to visit in Palestine. I don't actually live too far away. Um, before we get into all of that, we, we want to try to get to know you better. We've never had a Palestinian uh, on uh, the show so far that is, has been born in North Africa. Um, so I think this is, this is a, an interesting start. What was it like to be a Palestinian that was born in Algeria? And were you raised in Algeria as well? Uh, yes, I, I lived in Algeria. I was raised in Algeria in my early childhood because of my father's job. We traveled a lot and I ended up actually living in Jordan for a good while in my teenage years. And I got my Fujihi from Jordan. And then, uh, like many people, I traveled to Europe and then to the U.S. to study. Uh, yes. Cool. And so what, what brought you to the cultural world? I mean, what, what ignited that interest and passion? Uh, uh, the culture, had it's, uh, it's from the home. Yani my mother is a writer, is a novelist. And um, so when we used to travel, uh, we used to go to uh, museums. Uh, we used, you know, when you live in Jordan, uh, people take their holidays, they go to Greece and yeah. these places. So we used to go to, uh, to all the museums, uh, the archaeological digs. It was just a normal part of life. It wasn't like something weird or imposed on us. It was just a normal part of, uh, of family life. Uh, we, my father is a huge cinephile. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a film noir uh, aficionado. So we grew up also watching a lot of movies, uh, classical movies, not just you know commercial movies. So this is the this is the atmosphere that we grew up with at home. Me and my brothers, even if my brother is not in does not work in culture. He's, he also reads a lot and goes to concerts and so on. So this was part of uh, uh, life growing up. And then of course I had this uh, very important meeting when I was uh, uh, living in Jordan with the artist uh, Fakhr Mistah Zaid, who was the major uh, Turkish painter who lived basically her retirement years in the eighties. Okay, now everybody knows how old I am in the 80s in Amman. And so I ended up being one of her kind of students, art students at home and painting any. Oh, I even took part in the uh, exhibition that she had with her older students, which was the first major abstract art exhibition ever held in Jordan. Mm -hmm. And of course, when it, it came time to study like any good Arab family at that time, it was preferred that I study something else. And so I went and I studied something else, not art. But then I'm happy to have come back to the cultural field when I started working at the Khalil Sakini Cultural Center in 96. Yeah, I saw that. Another, another venue I like to, to, to go to. Um, so I, painting was the medium you, of art you were, you, you found your way to what, what uh, through your studies and eventually what, where did you find the most form of expression? 
شوف اكشولي تو بي فولي يعني فول ديسكلوجر ون اوف ذا ريزونز واي اي دينت وونت تو ستدي بينتينغ بعد توجيهي واز نوت اونلي يو نو بيكوز اي نيد تو ميك ا ليفينغ بس اولسو بيكوز اي ريلايزد يو نو باي بينغ نير فخر النساء زيد ذات I didn't think I was talented enough and I didn't think that I had the single-mindedness and the, and the inward focus, just focus on myself and then my self-expression, you know, and pursue it as a career. Uh, however, when I was a student uh, in all the cities where I lived, I used to go all the time to concerts, I used to go to uh, museums, exhibitions, all the time this is part of what i did uh, read books and so on and actually when i was living in paris i had the, the pleasure of seeing the first uh, screening of michel khalifi's wedding in galilee it was a big deal you know the, the movie was shown at Cannes, and uh, that you know made a huge impression on me um uh, buying the book before their diaspora, finding it in a random bookstore in France, in Paris. Uh, what an amazing book that is, had also major and lasting impact on me. So anyway. Yeah, I wanted to ask, we asked this a lot of our, our guests as well. Um, when, when was the first time you were able to come to Palestine? Uh, in the winter of 94 or 95, I don't remember. Yeah, and was previously your connection with with Palestine identity was it through art or was it through other ways? No, it was it, it was through my family. When we moved to Jordan, uh, my uh, parents had, you know, this strong sense of belonging to Palestine and to Palestinian struggle. Khasatan, you know, especially with the Algerian experience, yeah. uh, very much present in our uh, not the Algerian experience. I'm sorry, the Algerian uh, war of independence experience and immediate euphoria of post-independence and enormous pride. This was yani, something extremely important in our home. We also, we, we were uh, very politically aware as, I mean, I started reading newspapers and uh, Le Monde actually at a very early age and uh, listening to the news and so on. So this was also part of our life growing up. In Jordan, my parents had very, shall we say, high-level friends in the PLO and um, we used to come and visit and we and if I didn't see them I would hear about the conversations and so and then of course going to school with all the you know as you know the majority of the population at least in my school was originally Palestinian and so that was uh, a big uh, wake up um, not uh, wake up I'm sorry uh, that was a big exposure to mm. me and the sense of belonging and uh, I carry that afterwards when I traveled to to Europe to and to the U US as I said to study and to work and uh, through the demonstrations and everything yeah I want to ask you a question maybe that's a bit more abstract but do you think that contemporary Palestinian culture is inextricably political uh, it's it's very hard to separate the two, or can the political and the cultural also exist outside each other? Well, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a very complex question because uh, everything we do in Palestine is informed by the by the colonial situation or the exile that we uh, suffer from, and even if you don't, even if you're producing perfectly. Uh, 
non-conceptual work, uh, critics and the audience will read and will impose a public interpretation on, mm. on the work which is produced. Uh, Palestinian and non-Palestinians. Uh, so, uh, yes, but I mean, this is not, this is not, uh, for me, this is not, uh, this is not an issue that I really um, worry about anymore. I mean, this is when I did my PhD dissertation, when I worked on it, this was a big question for me that I tried to investigate. I tried to investigate the new forms of political mobilization in uh, contemporary, contemporary meaning 90s onwards. Uh, Palestinian culture, and I try to investigate, you know, the new forms of this, either the willful mobiliz political mobilization by the artist or how the work itself was emancipatory and would uh, open up frames of perception. So, so to, to answer your question briefly, I would say yes, but I think I think maybe what you mean to ask is something else, which is uh, the um, in the 70s and the 80s, and still by some artists, the um, the political revendication, the political claim, is fr is front and center. And even you know Virginia Woolf in uh, a room of one's own, she in her advice, you know, in writing about the, the feminine condition and especially the feminine condition of writers, even Virginia Woolf, and this is so we're talking about decades before you know Mahmoud Darwish, mm -hmm. she. Mahmoud Darwish in the 90s, late 80s, 90s, he had his shift in turn. She enjoined female writers not to champion a cause in their writing because the cause would um, dominate the writing. Hella, Anna, I'm not in the, in the business of giving prescriptions. Uh, it's not my job. Uh, my job is really to understand and to, and to support artists and, uh, and find them a home and to, and to support them. But uh, yeah, so in the Palestinian Museum, we're not in the business of giving answers, but asking questions. So this way, I did not answer you. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. It's part of the Dardashe. And I think it brings us beautifully to the work of the, the Palestinian Museum. What is, what is the mission? What is the work that you're doing now? I also want to hear about this exp exhibition uh, that, that you have on. Uh, the Palestinian Museum's mission is uh, to produce uh, emancipatory learning experiences on Palestine, its people, culture, and history. And by learning experiences, this term means everything can be a learning experience. So Dalal Abu Amne concert can be a le uh, learning experience. An exhibition like where I am now can be a learning experience. It's really getting people out of the rut of consuming uh, and producing either at school or at work or in the restaurant being engaged in the neo-capitalist economy here at the Palestinian Museum. It's a free space. The entrance is only Sheklin, and outside, people who ca can't come, they can consume us for free online. So it's a free space of reflection, of introspection, and of discovery. Uh, we do this via our annual exhibition, via research grants, academic conferences, education activities for uh, children, school children, um, open general uh, interest activities for families so that's what we do and of course we have our 
proper real museum work uh, to conserve and uh, restore uh, Palestinian material uh, heritage. So we have a paper conservation lab, which we hope to expand into a textile conservation lab, we have a permanent collection of art, ethnographic material. Amazing. And, and so is your primary audience, you would say, Palestinians in Palestine at the moment, for those who can obviously visit and... Our primary audience is the entire world. That's what we yeah. aim to, to reach. For here, obviously, we're in Birzeit. We're a bit so we're constrained by receiving people who can come. Before the COVID, we used to have a lot of tourists who would come. And on Saturdays, we used to have busloads of people from the from Dakhir who would come and visit us. Um, but we, we do do... Um, activities and workshops uh, for schools in Lebanon, in Gaza, in Jerusalem. Uh, we have also some events that we have done in the Gulf or in Jordan. So, and we're trying to develop that more via online tours. Inshallah, we'll be able to do this in 2022. But then we have an enormous amount of content. Actually, I would say 90% of what we produce is either on YouTube or on Facebook in video content. That's fantastic. And that's the way in Arabic consume things these days. Yeah. In Arabic and in English or subtitled in English. Amazing. I wanted to ask you, what is, I don't know how, how much you directly engage with, with young people, young Palestinians, not only in the West Bank, but all over. What is the regional reactions to engaging with Palestinian culture, history? Because I find my own experience on the political side. So I'd love to hear more about kind of what your experience has been. Uh, well, unfortunately, I don't engage as much as I would like to, but we have two brilliant colleagues who work full time in uh, education and who interface with uh, children. But, uh, you know, it varies because we work with government schools, public schools. Mm -hmm. So we get basically everybody inside the museum. We get uh, schools from Bedouin areas, we get schools from uh, inside Hebron that are surrounded by settlements and we get uh, schools where half the children uh, actually are engaged unfortunately in child labor mm. uh, so we get the gamut we focus on the public schools not the private schools the public schools come by themselves so uh, we um, usually the the reaction is wonder and surprise because again as i said everybody is caught up in this instrumental uh, life patterns at work or at school or even the way you know people spend their leisure time and mm -hmm. th this is mostly the case with students who have to learn everything by heart and do the homework and here when they come to the museum they get a tour they get a specialized tour for the exhibition itself mm -hmm. this is the primary interface for children it's the uh, exhibition or we have the open days the family open days it's discovery there's no right or wrong answer there's no learning even the the material that we give them which we call the kids trail um it's free they can take it for free we give them a free lunch literally we give them a free lunch and then the kids trail that which they have to fill there's no right or wrong and i'll just share with you something um, um the last uh, museum exhibition evaluation we did for children, because we wanted you to evaluate, we always evaluate feedback. Uh, we had um, evaluations filled by children, by teachers, by parents, and two children 
روتاس شكرا انكم احترمتونا يس تو ديفرنت تشيلدرن اند ساتردي وي هاد اور فيرست لاست ساتردي وي هاد اور سو ايل ترانسليت ان انجلش ثانك يو فور ريسبكتينغ ثانك يو فور ريسبكتينغ اس اند ذا اذر داي وي هاد ذيس ذات ستارتد هير ساتردي ذات كيم And these were the children that I told you about who work uh, in child labor or who work in other difficult circumstances, which I will not discuss. And uh, they were uh, amazed. And they said that uh, uh, they wanted to come every day. And then actually, this is interesting for you to know, we had a problem with our staff. They could not control them. They were going everywhere. going into the offices, even though our offices are removed from the gallery space. And this shows you, you know, the, the state of our children. You know, they don't know how to behave in a big open space, which, how to behave physically, I mean, in a big open public space, which is not having to do with money or with school or with family private space. And so we're, I'm so proud and I'm so happy and I'm so grateful to our supporters, to our donors, to our architects, to that this space exists. This is a big, wide, horizontal, open space that provides quality content for everybody. I'm so happy that it is here for yeah. all Palestinians because we all know that we deserve deserve quality programming and deserve quality content about Palestine. You know, I, I was very struck by, by listening to you talk about the space because, I mean, I, I myself am not the product of the public schools in Palestine, but all my cousins are and my aunt works with the Ministry of Education. So I'm very, very, uh, you know, enlightened about it in, in a sense. And, you know, spaces for discovery, for exploration, uh, for learning about Palestine in different ways, about identity, culture, history, and politics is absent. Uh, and the, 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 those don't really exist. Uh, so it's, it's great to hear that the Palestinian Museum is offering a space like that. And I wish the schools would also be offer more of those spaces for the students. Um, yes, but you know, the schools, there's so much you can do. Uh, but I would like to, to say that it's it's not even children, you know, it's, it's also adults. I mean, I'm surprised, you know, there's this, our newest exhibition, which I think has the most, uh, the most uh, developed uh, um, form of, of what we're trying to do at the museum uh, in terms of flagship projects because mm-hmm. it has new artworks, art installations, work for children in, in the middle of which I'm sitting right now and uh, interactive multimedia stations, video material and lots of archives. So you, you have um, knowledge and research based information and then aesthetic material. Uh, and so we, we uh, the aim is that this synthesis of the cognitive and the aesthetic has an effect, an emotional and cognitive and uh, on people and changes their perceptions of themselves and of their history and of their future. But when I when you know, we had a lot of open days and public events since we opened and uh, uh, I was surprised and you know, I was talking with uh, some people whom I know casually and socially and showing them some sections in the exhibit about uh, uh, um, uh, trade unions in Palestine before the Nakba, economic life, business, businesses, factories. And I was talking to somebody who was educated and who owns a business and so on. And, and I thought he would know at least and nothing, 
there was no knowledge. Things that for us, we museum workers and historians take for granted and we think that everybody knows and about Shirkat al-Sakib, or about the Palestinian football clubs before 1948. We think that everybody knows about that or about Mosim and Nabi Rubin. We have three screens outside in the reception about the Nabi Rubin season. People don't know about this. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so the museum is not only important for children, for your children, because it's good for them to learn about Palestine. It's also good for you to learn about Palestine and what mm -hmm. Palestinians achieved in the 20s and the 30s, the 17th century, the 18th century. And of course, this information is already available in, in books, but we make it available in the span of one hour, people or less. We can go through the gallery and learn in a fun, inspiring way. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And so the, one of the exhibitions you have on is uh, a People by the Sea. You want to tell a us people, more? A people by the Sea. بلدٌ وحده البحر محطات من التاريخ الفلسطيني from 1748 to 1948. Okay. Do you want to tell more people about it and why you chose this exhibition and why it's important? Uh, actually, I chose the theme of the exhibition on my first week on the job when I was <laughs> when I started working here. So this was many well. This was three years ago, and uh, because um, I thought that um, the history of the Palestinian coast has been elided, has, has, has been effaced, and uh, completely, first of all, among Palestinians, primarily, people forget about what happened there. And also, on the other side, that area is presented as the vitrine of the startup nation, of the dynamic secular startup nation, which in fact was built on the uh, on the backs of Palestinians who were killed, who were exiled, and on the remains of their uh, homes, their villages, their factories, their businesses, their schools that were wiped clean. And so I thought it's very important for audiences in Palestine and outside Palestine to know what vibrant Palestinian society existed already from the 18th century, the, the incredible diversity, the ties with the outside world, and then, of course, the incredible dynamism of Palestinian society before the Nakba. And when I say Palestinian society, I actually mean Palestinian society because Palestinian businesses and schools did not benefit from support from the British mandate or in any way. Uh, to the contrary, and of course, to also reflect and remember what happened in the Nakba. So we have a whole section about the Tantura massacre. The centerpiece of our exhibition is this amazing uh, work about Yafa. It is, it is a transcending experience, a transcendental experience that I don't want to describe in words. If people mm -hmm. take the time, I think they will feel it. But I think it's um, it's uh, you go through the gamut of uh, emotions in this exhibition: uh, sadness, uh, surprise, joy, discovery, inspiration. Uh, but of course, you know, this is not our first exhibition. We had amazing blockbuster exhibitions about art. We had the largest exhibition on Palestinian art ever held anywhere in the world. Uh, we had the largest exhibition ever heard, held anywhere in the world about Palestinian embroidery. We had two exhibitions on Jerusalem. We had an exhibition on Palestinian political posters. And we also have our two websites, Pal Archive and Pal Journeys, that are a treasure trove of information 
on Palestinian social history and political history. So basically, I always say that the Palestinian Museum is everything we ever dreamt of right here in Birzeit. In Birzeit. I'm, I haven't been to the exhibition yet, but I'll be making my way as soon as possible. And I encourage everyone to really go to the exhibition, to the space. It's, it's a beautiful space as well. Yes. And uh, uh, for, for people who, who don't live uh, outside, who live outside Palestine, not to worry, they can come visit us during the Christmas vacation or the summer vacation because we're open for a year. We're, we're opening this exhibition for a year. And inshallah, we're trying to organize live tours um, of the exhibition. Amazing. Well, it was such a pleasure to have you, learn from you, and uh, please everyone do check out all the, the, the websites uh, that the uh, doctor supplied us with. Uh, thank you for being with us, and I hope many more people will be able to enjoy the space. Thank you, Salem. I enjoyed it. And please follow us on all our social media platforms. Yes, we're going to put the social media platforms in all our links so you can easily find them. For the thank, you. thank you. Thank you, Salem. Thank you. Thank you.